Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Whatever platform you're listening to us on, wherever in the world you are listening, as always, I appreciate the support very, very much. Today's topic is going to be about maintaining a consistently successful program. In previous episodes, we've talked to guests about turning a program around. We've talked about rebuilding. We've kind of talked about just building from the ground up at a new school. So I think it's a good time to dedicate an episode to kind of the opposite end of that spectrum and talk about coaching at a program where success is expected and you're sort of maintaining greatness, so to speak. So we're going to talk with our guest about his program and how his program is consistently successful, as well as avoiding complacency and also some tips for coaches who may be struggling a little bit with consistency and kind of have an up and down program, uh, giving some tips and advice uh, to coaches who might be in that situation as well. So my guest today to discuss this topic is the head men's basketball coach at Thayer High School. I'm very happy to be joined by Coach Matt Pitts. Coach, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for sharing your your insight and knowledge on this topic. I, I know that so many coaches are uh, eager to be in a position kind of like you, you're in. So we're looking forward to kind of hearing about uh, your program, your area and everything. So it should be a good one. Coach, let's go ahead and get started with uh, your journey. Where is the game of basketball taking you and where is your coaching journey taking you to get you to Thayer? Well, I actually, I'm from Thayer. I played, uh, I played high school basketball here, graduated from here. Uh, then I went off to college and uh, I spent three years away coaching, away from here, and then the guy that I played for actually needed an assistant. So I came back here, and uh, I assisted him for three seasons, and then this I'll be working, fixing to start my 16th season here as a head coach. So I've been here 19 total. That's awesome, and uh, staying local and, and being a product of Thayer and then having the, the opportunity to coach there, that, that, that's great. So I'm going to ask you before we even get into the first question there, um, how has your experience at, at there as, as a player and then being there as a coach, how has it kind of helped you in terms of uh, understanding the community and understanding the area and kind of understanding the needs of, of a Thayer in general? You know, the guy that I played for, uh, he came in here as, as, I think I was in the seventh or eighth grade and the, the basketball program here had kind of been up and down and he kind of got things going and uh, he's an excellent coach and really was the guy that probably, you know, led me in the direction of coaching just because I thought a lot of him and respected him and the job that he did. Um, so being around the, a winner like he was, and then um, I think it just led me in this direction. And then being from the area, I think I understood the culture of, and that's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but uh, you know, this is just a winning community. They're kind of blue collar. Um, they really want you to work. They let you coach their kids. I mean, it's it's really a perfect fit for what we're trying to do here, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no it sounds like it. And I think that having that, that sort of culture in the area definitely helps with uh, maintaining sports in an athletic sense, for sure. And 
we kind of just talked about it, so I'll kind of ask it more specifically, though you did uh, just sort of address it in your answer now, which is awesome. But kind of give uh, our listeners out there, since I know we have some uh, international all the way from coast to coast in the U.S. here, kind of set the scene for us about what, what Bayer, Missouri kind of looks like. Like what, what's, what's kind of the culture? I know he just talked about, we throw that word around a lot, but can you kind of set the scene of, of what somebody would see in the area if they were to step foot into Bayer, Missouri and what that's like? Yeah, we are, uh, we're a town of about 2,200 people. Um, in our high school, uh, grades nine through 12, we've got roughly probably around 200 students. Um, We've got a Walmart, a McDonald's, the Dairy Queen. Uh, there's not a whole lot shaking here. Um, and that's the one thing sports takes a big spot in our community and it plays a big role in the, just in what we do on Friday nights as far as football games go. I mean, this place is always packed. Um, basketball games, likewise. Uh, people really, you know, they schedule their lives and their weeks of, a lot of times about what's going on athletically here at our school. Now that, that that's that's awesome. That's kind of the uh, that that Friday night lights sort of thing, and the <laughs> the town kind of rallies around the the sports that you have in the area, which makes me which makes me think then that for the younger like kids, like elementary age kids who are kind of getting into sports and and you know starting to play them at a, at a young age, they must like look up to the high school players. They must be like rock stars to them or something. Yeah, I think so. And that's something, you know, we talk about to our kids a lot because I think sometimes as high school students and even as, as, as professional athletes, I think a lot of those guys, you don't realize the lives that you're touching. Um, so we do talk a little bit about, you know, you never know who's watching and you never know whose role model you are. So try to do things the right way. And, uh, and I remember being a kid, just probably like you did, and you'd be in the basement and you'd be playing like you were one of the players on the team. And, uh, and I know those kids do that. Like I said, we talk about that with our guys probably a couple times a year. Uh, that, yeah, no, I, I know exactly uh, what, what you're saying. I can, I can picture myself emulating players and go right back into that headspace as a kid and imagine myself as a basketball player doing all these, all these little moves that I, that I thought other people were doing. That's funny. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, so as, as we talked about, our, our topic is going to just be about maintaining consistent success. And there's so much, so much to this uh, ranging from, you know, how to, how to maintain it versus uh, dealing with inconsistency, complacency. So a lot of different areas that we're going to, we're going to cover on this one. So let's kind of start with um, the habits that you think have led to the program to be consistently successful. So if you had to think about, all right, what makes us consistently um, contenders or winners, you know, year in, year out. What, what do you think the habits are that that's built that? You know, one of the blessings that I have here and probably one of the biggest reasons I think for our success is the football coach and I are really close friends. As a matter of fact, I, he, he assisted me for a little while back in the day. And then I assisted him on the sidelines for eight or nine seasons. And I still help with them on game nights on in the booths on Fridays. And, you know, one thing that he and I talk about a lot is the fact that we kind of look at it more as a program, not so much as football and basketball. We look at it as, as we're trying to do what's best for all those kids because we share a lot of kids. And, and I think that's a huge deal year in and year out. And I think that may be one of the biggest reasons we've been able to do what we've, what we've done. To kind of extrapolate that that point a little bit further, besides your your boys' uh, basketball program, is there kind of a tradition of success in in other sports in in your school as well? Does it kind of permeate throughout the school? Yeah, it really does. Uh, the football has been very successful, and the girls' basketball program is very successful. 
uh, we've been successful on the on the boys side. Um, so yeah, we we've we've kind of got a culture established here of winning, and uh, and that's you know that's that's huge when other programs can can experience success also. And I think winning breeds winning, and success breeds success. And those kids, when you win on one. You know, if you went on a football field, you just kind of have a knack for knowing how to win. And, and like a buddy always told me, winners win. And uh, I think that's one of the things that really helps us. And I will assume that with having a, a small school, I think you mentioned the population is about, about 200, then that probably leads to a lot of uh, multi-sport athletes then who are, you know, successful in one area and probably want that to translate to the other sports that they do throughout the year. Oh, yeah. And uh you know, every team's a little different. Every season's different. Um, I've had as many as, you know, you might have 80% of your guys playing football. And then, you know, you might have as little as 20% of your guys playing. But, you know, one thing we tried to, when they lift during the summer in the weight room, all the football and basketball guys are in there together. There's no differentiation in what's going on there. I mean, they're all doing the same things. They're all lifting the same weights, uh, same workouts. And I think that really helps because I, I just think there's a toughness factor there that when all those guys are together, uh, I, yeah, I just think it's a huge deal for us. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's kind of cool to see programs and see schools where the sports are kind of like really integrated. I know it's really easy for programs to kind of get on their own island and coaches in a way to kind of have their team and then you know this other coach at the school has their team and they're kind of very much separated from each other so I think it's I think it sounds really healthy to have like everybody sort of integrated with one another as best you can and everybody kind of sees themselves as you know working towards the same cause right that even if I'm coaching basketball like I'm working for my school to be successful and our program to to represent the school well just like another coach at our school is trying to do the same for theirs it's kind of like working for the same sort of goal if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's I think it's huge not only in on the sporting side of things and in all your programs, but you know even in the classroom, academically we're very strong here too. And I think a lot of that is our teachers. You know they really push those kids, and just like we push them on the bench and on the sideline. I mean we we stay after those guys and gals to do the best that they can do. And our teachers are also the same way. And I and I think it's just I think it involves everybody. I don't think mm -hmm. it's. I don't think you can let your guard down in any aspect of it, because I think if you're going to be successful, uh, I just think it takes everybody. Yeah, like it's it's why we use that term program, right? Like program, it's, it's so much more than a than a team. It kind of involves so many different people and so many different areas that I, I think it's a little little tangy, but I think it is very difficult for like one particular like sports team at a school to be really successful and have like not really have success in, in academics or other other programs as well. I think it's just a lot easier <laughs> to have it where everybody's kind of pushing each other to, to be the most successful that they can. Now that, that, that's awesome. Uh, I would be remiss, Coach, if I didn't actually ask about, uh, you know, I have to list the, the whole resume there of the, of, the, of the basketball program, but I know I'm sure our guests want to know uh, what tangibly that success has looked like on the court, what what sort of accomplishments or things have, have, have your team been uh, fortunate enough to achieve throughout your years, maybe playing and, and coaching as well? Uh, you know, in my 10-year coaching here, which is, this is my, going into my 16th season is, uh, as a head coach here, we've never missed a district championship game. We've played in uh, 
going back to 1994, I want to say maybe we've only missed one district championship game in that time. And that's pretty remarkable. And, uh, you know, in that time here, we've, in my 15 years, we've won 11 district championships, five conference championships, uh, been to a final four. Uh, so we've, uh, we've been very blessed to have the success we've had. No, no, that's, that's fantastic. And, that takes it takes a lot because those are long seasons. I mean, you know it. <laughs> those are long oh, yeah. seasons yes. to, to be getting through. And as, um, uh, as, as since you've been there and, and coaching and been on that ride, and that, that is such a long journey. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping out of order here, but this this kind of makes me think about it now. For you personally, as a coach, knowing that, hey, I have a successful program. You know, we're going to be having long seasons that I got to buckle up for and be ready for. How do you as a coach kind of mentally stay sharp and stay focused and stay on your game through these consistently long seasons that you've been having? Uh, you know, I think, you know, one of the most important things for me is, you know, I have a very supportive wife and I've got two boys that play, um, you know, so our life kind of revolves around the game, um, which makes it easy because that's what those guys want to do. And, and, uh, my wife, it's not like she goes out of her way to find a basketball game because she sees plenty of them, but <laughs> she does a great job of keeping us all reined in. And uh, kind of a funny story about her, her yesterday, we were talking and just out of the blue, she said, just as typical coach's wife, she says, what's your plan for when the shot clock comes in? Just out of the blue, we're just sitting there talking. <laughs> and she and I got to explain it. And she said, I didn't want an answer. She said, I just wanted to know what your plan was. So that's kind of, that explains her, kind of sums her up. No, that's I, that's that's quite the quite the question to be asked too. I like how she didn't want yes. the answer too. Just let you think about it. Just, just, just <laughs> what's your plan to put in? That's no, funny. I probably should be thinking about that too. I think here in Arizona, we're we're pushing to get that shot clock in. So probably need somebody to ask me those questions too to yeah. keep me honest. No, that's funny. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, so with that kind of leads into this other question. Now you talked about all the district championship games you've been to, and 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 I'm assuming then that you know, year in and year out, you're kind of playing the same teams, uh, at least within uh, your conference or division, you're kind of seeing success probably against those teams kind of year in and year out. And it's very easy, I think, to fall into a trap of kind of complacency where, you know, you think that you can just go show up players or coaches like show up and just just win. And that's just going to be how it is. So how have you kind of avoided, you know, that level of complacency and making sure that your players are, are staying sharp and staying focused and kind of taking things one game at a time? You know, I think, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, just making the right basketball play, not, you know, and I tell our guys, you know, if you make the right play, a hundred times, it's going to work out more times than not. And I think they focus on that kind of thing daily. Um, even like I said, from a culture standpoint, that's something that you've got to work on daily. You can't just, you can't just sit back and expect it to stay where it's at. Um, you know, and, and focus wise, you know, you hear a lot of guys talk about, you know, the biggest game on your schedule or who's your main rival. You know, I've tried to, you know, tell our guys that the biggest game is the next game. And no matter who you're playing, uh, our practices are going to look the same. Um, we would prepare for, you know, somebody that's sub 500, just like we would prepare for somebody that's undefeated. Uh, you know, our, the way we do that and look at that doesn't change. So our daily routine is no matter who the opponent, uh, no matter what's going on, our preparation is going to be the same. 
And let, let's kind of dive a little bit into that with your with, with the level of preparation uh, uh, to be a consistently successful uh, program. You are going to have to have a certain level of preparation and standards that you ad adhere to in regards to that. So in regards to let's just kind of go with, you know, practice plans and, and having, you know, consistently successful practices, which lead to results on the court. What are what have your practices? Um, what actually what do your practices look like? And has that evolved at all throughout the years or what has kind of stayed consistent with your your practice plans uh, as far as you know they always change I mean basically just you know you want to try to add some life to them every year something different where you're not getting complacent in in, in practice um, you know just toughness uh, we preach defense a lot obviously like everybody else does rebounding something we really emphasize um, and you know just just the hard work and, you know, trying to keep practice upbeat, positive, um, keep the kids moving, not a lot of downtime. I'm a guy that, you know, if we if we can practice hard for an hour and a half, uh, run up and down the floor for maybe 30 minutes and have a two-hour practice, I, I, I really try to do that daily because um, I really believe after the two-hour mark, you kind of lose those guys. So mm. that's kind of what we do. Um you know, offensively, we, we like to shoot as much as we can in practice, but during the season that changes. And then, you know, not having, you know, every year is different as far as I may have 10 football players playing and only have seven guys in practice until we get those football guys. And with the success that Coach Weber and the football program have had, we've had years where we would practice. Uh, we played in the state finals two years in a row, and we practiced twice one year and got to, and had to play the third day. So we <laughs> – We've had to really – it really just depends on the year as far as what practices look like and what you're trying to get done. I do like the idea of kind of having, a, a, in a way, kind of like a mental like time limit on practices because it's probably uh -huh. diminishing returns after after a certain point. And it's if you can get it all in and you can work hard in a practice and get everything you need done within that time frame, then – um, at least I'm kind of the mindset of, well, you know, I don't want to just have you here just to have you here. Like if we got what we needed done and we did a good job, like, well, we did it. <laughs> and, and yeah, because go ahead. I think as coaches, sometimes we, we may say, let's run this one more time and no, we didn't do it. So now we're 15 minutes in and we really only did that to make ourselves feel better. It didn't really affect anything that went on other than we can sleep a little better that night. And I think, I, were, I know I'm guilty of that a lot, and and that's something as I've gotten older, I've tried to do less of. You know, let's 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 do what we've got to do. Let's do it hard. Let's do it right, and uh, let's get out of here. Yeah, I, I've definitely been there where I, I was like, all right, we're going to do this, and then we'll, we're done, and then we didn't do it right, and then we kept doing it again. Then I saw something else I didn't like. Next thing you know, I'm you know doing 20 minutes on something I thought was 30 seconds because I couldn't let it go. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, no. a lot of us are guilty of that, though. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of times uh, about how the landscape of your team, as, as any high school coaches will, kind of changes year in and year out, depending on who you've got coming in. When it comes to what you run on the court, are there things that you believe in that you stay consistent in and have stayed consistent in throughout the years? And how much do you kind of adapt or change what you like to run based on who do you, who you have that year? Uh, offensively, it really changes. Um, and you guys know at the high school level, you get, you know, two years ago or three, I had I had two post guys that were 6'5". Uh, we ran a lot of, you know, two-man motion stuff, high-low type stuff. Um, then last year, the biggest kid that we put on the floor 
that started for us was about six one, so we had to go to more guard oriented offense. Um, now defensively, you know, one thing I think that kind of makes us a little uncommon is we play a we play a matchup zone and have exclusively for as long as I can remember in my whole tenure here. And when I say exclusively, I'm talking we I don't remember playing more than five possessions of anything else last year total. Hmm. Um, that team was 24-2 and two and got beat in the state quarterfinals, and uh, we did not play anything other than that. And, you know, and that's one thing when we talk about programs and, and success, I think you need continuity in some form. I think defensively, I think you need to be – I think people need to know what you're about. I think they that when they talk about your program and they're going to play you, they need to know this is what's fixing to happen. They're going to guard – our tails off. They're going to rebound everything. They're going to get to every loose ball. I just think when people talk about a program, they need to know what it's about and what your calling card is. And I think, I think people that jump around sometimes never get really good at something. And, and even I, that's just something, and I know everybody's different, but that matchup's been good for us and, uh, and it's evolved. Um, But I think hanging your hat on something and being really, really passionate about what you do on the defensive end is a big deal. And just to go a little bit further to that, what led to you kind of sticking with the matchup zone? What is it that you that you like about it that, that you kind of hang your hat on it? When I was a senior in high school, the guy that I played for, um, he implemented that. And we really had a – that was our best year of my four playing. Um, led to the district championship and a playoff win. And, and he continued to have success running that. Um, even in my time away. And then when I came back, um, you know, I assisted him for three years and that's what we played. And then when I took over in that fourth season, that's, that was the easiest fit for us at the time. Uh, we didn't have a lot of guys coming back at that point, but we had guys that were familiar with that, our system. So we just stuck with it. And now 16 years later as a head coach, I'm still doing it. Um, now, it's evolved some because zone offenses have evolved, but uh, we stuck with it. And the thing I like about it, uh, our size, it, we're not always – we don't always have big stature players out there. So playing man-to-man full-time or, you know, that that doesn't dictate success for us a lot just because, like I said, last year our biggest guy was one. But this matchup has really allowed us to – to take advantage of some things and, and there's a lot, there's pros to it and there's cons to it like everything else, but it's been really, really good to us. And just to, uh, just to ask one more question about it, I, cause I'm always fascinated about coaches who they have something that they're really strong on that they're really passionate on and, you know, they'll tweak it based on their personnel. But like that, like I said, it's the thing that they kind of hang their hat on to the point where I'm sure that the other teams that you play every year, they know what it is you're, you're going to do, but, they're just not able to, to, to come up with, in some cases, the right formula or just be able to, uh, you know, kind of break it for a lack of a better term. So for you to kind of stay con- consistently great, you kind of know then that, hey, like these teams know what we're going to run, but this is our identity and we'll make tweaks to it and we're going to stick with it because that's something that we believe in. And I think that that's, that's really great because I'm, I'm sure as, as you can speak to, you have teams who, who know what you're going to do because you play them every year, but that you just run it so well and your guys run it well that you're, you're still able to have success with it. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things, if you ask anybody around or, 
you know, throughout the state of Missouri, if, if you ask them what, if you said Thayer basketball, what's the first thing that pops in your head? And they're probably going to say a matchup zone defense. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what we're known for. Um, but it's, yes. And like you say, hanging your hat on something and your kids knowing and they believe in it, that's the biggest thing, being committed, being bought in and understanding that this is what we're going to do and it's going to lead to success. We just got to learn it and stay with it. And, you know, we, we start implementing it in the seventh grade. Um, not quite, obviously, as in-depth as we do at the high school level, but we start doing that with, with our seventh and eighth graders. And then in JV, we continue to do that. And then by the time they're, you know, juniors and seniors are pretty well versed at what's going on. I think that's huge. Um, you know, we don't like to use the word zone a lot just because uh, when people think of zone defense, you think of people standing around and, and not doing this or not rebounding or whatever. It's really not like that with us. Um, but again, it's program wide as far as uh, our girls even run it a lot of the time and have had success running it. So it's it's pretty uncommon to have a, <laughs> something like that uh, for such a long time. No, that, that that that's great. Yeah, like that that's really cool. I think you've you've really reached a certain level as a program when somebody can just say your school's name and they can immediately be like, "Oh yeah, that they do this." Like, I feel like you've made it <laughs> once you can have somebody <laughs> say that about your program. That's really cool. Uh, you you just brought up about uh, a little bit more about the youth level there, about you know seventh and eighth graders and and um, kind of sort of working them in or kind of building them up to uh, getting them ready step-by-step step for what they're going to need when, when they get into high school. Uh, for your program's success, how important has uh, the youth level been um, and establishing your youth program or working with your youth program in order to kind of get them ready for what high school is going to be like? Uh, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, our elementary programs in basketball and football are really strong. Um, those kids play a lot. They like to play. And, uh, you know, the fundamental part of it, dribble, pass, and shoot, uh, that's obviously something they've got to learn before they get into the seventh grade. But, you know, our, our community does a good job with that. And then at the junior high level, seventh and eighth grade, uh, my assistant actually coaches our seventh and eighth grade team. So he does a good job and he knows what he's doing and, and what we expect and so he gets those guys prepared very, very well for when they turn freshmen and they're in there in the high school practice with our older guys. Yeah, no, that, that's that's great. And I think for, for anyone out there who's able to have, you know, strong youth coaches who, who are doing it the right way, like hold on to them. <laughs> hold on to yeah. them as best as you can because yeah. they are, at least in my experience, they're, they're kind of rare. And I understand it too because in, in many ways it is kind of a thankless job too. So, uh, Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Lots of respect to all those doing that for sure. Um, which which just popped in another question in, in my head for as long as you've been there and, and being consistently successful, uh, obviously you, you can't can't do it alone in terms of your coaching staff. So how have you kind of worked in your, uh, your, your coaching staff, your JV coach, assistant coaches that you have? How have you kind of dealt with, I don't even know if there's been a revolving door in my experience. I've seen it a lot, but maybe you haven't had that. Uh, working with your assistant coaches, your JV coaches, and um, have you been able to have consistency in terms of them um, being there? Have you gone through a lot that kind of come in and out? What's that experience been like as you kind of get those assistant and JV coaches kind of coaching to the, to the standard that, that you want it there? You know, for the first, probably, I can't remember how many years, my uh, my brother, who's the principal here at school, he was actually my assistant, and uh, he helped me for huh. a long time. And then uh, 
the, then the last couple of assistants that I've had had both played for me. So the continuity of having players, two guys that played for me, and then the, my brother played here also. Um, so he's familiar with the area and the culture. So I've been very fortunate and blessed to have assistants that, that know the area. They know what we expect. Um, they played for me or they played with me as far as my brother played on the same team. So as far as, let's say, teaching the matchup zone, those guys are all well-versed in that. Uh, when we get them in here. So, you know, that's there's a lot of pressure on an assistant to learn something like that mm-hmm. as fast as you just as you would know. I mean, if you're trying to learn something that quick and to be able to teach it, there's a lot of a lot of pressure there. Um, so we've been able to, you know, by hiring guys that played for us and and keeping it. I don't want to say in-house, but kind of in-house. That's been that's been good for us. Yeah, no, no, that's that's for sure. They say that the uh, the highest level of mastery on learning something is if you're able to teach it to somebody else. So, yeah, yeah. To, to be able to, to to learn that and be able to explain it to others, because I mean, as you know, like you need your assistant coaches, you need them to be valuable resources for your players, right? So that when your players have a question, you're not always around that your assistant coaches can, you know, see something in the in the matchup zone, for example, that you run and be able to tell them like, hey, this is what you need to be doing. And this is what you should be doing. And it's really important that they're seen as like experts and, and people who are go to people in case you're not always there. I mean, that, I feel like that's really important. Yeah, no question. I think that, you know, when you're looking or as an assistant, what you would want is a guy over there that if something happened and you went down, he could just step up and step right in and just go. And I think I've been very, very blessed to have guys like that. Um, I've got guy, I've got Coach Steed like that. He's like that right now. If I wasn't there to do it, he would be just fine doing it. And uh, <laughs> it's it's just been a really, like I said, just the whole story, having guys playing for me, coaching with me, having my brother as an assistant. Uh, it's just been a really – it's just kind of a cool story, the whole the whole thing. Hey, I, I I give you a lot of credit, Coach. If you can coach with your your brother and make that work, I'm trying to picture doing anything of that level of some people in my family, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how that would go. So I, I give you props for being able to do that. That is that, well, I, that's awesome. I didn't I didn't say there weren't moments where he wanted to choke <laughs> me and vice versa, but we made it through it, and uh, he did a heck of a job for me. Uh, that's that, that's awesome. That's funny. Uh, we've, we've touched a little bit here and there about, about the idea of like culture and like what, and it's kind of like this boogeyman word culture. I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what, what it means, means something to so many different people, but when your players have to, you know, obviously adhere to a certain level of, um, intensity and, and focus and, and commitment, was is culture building anything that you sort of like like think about do you do you talk about like your your team's culture or standards or rules or or is there a direct conversation that talks about like this is the culture here at Thayer or do do you not really use that word a lot I guess kind of what's your what's your thought about that word almost in general you know we we use it some um but like we said earlier I think it's something that you know you have to continually work on it and I don't and it's one of those things that uh, you know whether it be in a weight room or you know whether it be on the football field or baseball field or wherever it might be uh, that needs to be synonymous throughout all those programs and I think what we talked a little bit earlier you know so many times you've got your football guys and then you've got your basketball guys and they're so far separated and even their thought and their mindset on how this should look even philosophically uh 
the closer you can get all those things together, um, you know, because we'd like back to your question, we don't just sit down and say, here's what this looks like. Uh, here's what you're going to do. Here's what you're not going to do. I mean, we've been really blessed. And, and we, you know, when those guys graduate and they move on, they've taught those other guys, those younger guys, how this is supposed to go, how you're supposed to practice, how you're supposed to act when you're out eating after a ball game as a group, um, how you're supposed to act, you know, anywhere you are, um, what we expect and the standards and, and, you know, people may be looking at you not only as a basketball player, obviously as a, as a human being. And, you know, that's the biggest thing, left things better than leave things better than you found them. And, uh, there's just lots that goes into it. And it's, it's more than, than how hard you guard the basketball or how hard you box out or we get on a loose ball. You know, there's just a lot mm -hmm. more to culture than I think, than people think. And was that something that was established for you when, when you were playing? Has that just been something that's kind of been permeated for, throughout Fayer for as long as you can remember? Or are there things that you feel like you either had to like explicitly address or bring up or, or sort of just intentionally teach to, to get them where you wanted them to be? No, when I played here for, you know, Coach Hawkins was the basketball coach that I talked about that had a big impact on my mm -hmm. life. Uh, coach, coach Meek, uh, Coach Meek was my football coach. Uh, he just turned 90 years old and he is still on the sideline, if that tells you anything about <laughs> that guy. Um, he's a gym and the things that he taught me, uh, Coach Atkinson, um, I could, there's the hundred, there's tons of them, but the culture here really with those three guys and then moving right into coach Weber, who's our football coach now. And then, you know, we, I've just tried to build on what they did and, and just try to make it continue it and hope it's a little better than it was when I found it. And, uh, and hope the next guy can do the same. I just think there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. It's yeah, not I, just me or what I do. Yeah. And, as you kind of mentioned before, uh, how important it is for your program to be successful to kind of work with uh, the other coaches because it kind of takes everybody to do it. And I know that we, you brought it up, and so I'm going to explicitly ask you, what, what has been the importance or how important has it been for you to also as a coach, when you talk about your program being consistently successful, to work with uh, the teachers and to work with the administration, work with people who are doing the non-athletic things, how important has those conversations and relationships been to your program being where it needs to be? Well, I think that goes back to a little earlier. You know, we talked about everybody kind of being on the same page. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if a teacher comes to me with about a student acting up in class, they know that there, it will be addressed. Um, if a student's struggling in class, they know that, that I'm probably sending them to that class after school instead of coming to practice with me in order to get those guys caught up. And then from an administration standpoint, um, I've been very, very blessed to be, you know, to be able to coach uh, my guys and I coach them hard. Um, and even from the parents in our community, I mean, they want their kids coached hard. Uh, and I think that is kind of uncommon because I think everybody thinks they do until it comes time to, for it to really happen. <laughs> and I think here where we are, they let us coach their kids. And it's, it's you know, I'm pretty old school. And uh, I don't know, I've, I've just been really blessed with they've, let, they've stayed out of the way and let, and let us coach these guys. And that's a big deal. That's, that's 
great, I think, that to have that support. And I think for the teachers to know, like, hey, if I say something to to coach about, you know, what's going on, I can trust that, you know, he's going to deal with it and not, like, take the student's side or, you know, ignore what the teacher's saying. And I think that builds a lot of trust. And for players, I'm sure if they know, like, that, oh, you know, my teacher and, you know, my coach there, they're going to be in good communication or are in good communication. I'm sure in, in a lot of ways that, that maybe stops potentially some issues from taking place when they know that in a way, like all eyes are watching them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it helps. Now, there's always a knucklehead or two, but <laughs> I think that's everywhere. Yeah, there's always uh, the ones who, uh, I, f I forgot what a teacher said, they, they just need a little extra love or care or attention. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are special in their own way, for sure. Um, if, if you were to talk to a coach who maybe is having some issues in terms of, of consistency. Maybe their program's kind of up and down. Maybe you personally have seen programs that are kind of up and down. What would be some either advice or things that you would want that coach to examine if, if, they, if you feel like their program is, is just sort of like on the roller coaster ride, one year up, one year down sort of situation? I think one of the biggest things I would tell somebody is uh, goes back to, you know, hanging your hat on something. Um, you know, for us defensively, we talked about that. And uh, I think that would be a great place to start is just, you know, find something you're comfortable with, learn as much as you can about it, uh, make that a staple of your program and uh, really stick with it. Um, and there's ups and downs with everything. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's been not teams that made 12 threes and I'm sitting there thinking, what am I doing <laughs> playing this? Uh, but you kind of have to, you just got to be, you know, have enough faith in yourself. And then, you know, and, and the problem in today's society is so many people are, you've got to win right now or you don't ever get that chance again. Um, you know, from a, from an administration standpoint, I think the biggest mistake programs make is if you look at every, not every, because every is a big word, but if you look at, at most of the programs from at the college level that are successful, those guys have been there for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And that's not coincidence. And you get these programs who think, oh, this guy, uh, he wasn't 500 last year. And after year two, we're going to fire him. And then we're going on to the next guy. And then after year three, you're in the same boat. Um, <laughs> that's a problem in our, in our occupation. And, and it has been and will continue to be. But, you know, the biggest thing, I think, is continuity. And then understanding, here's what we're going to do. Here's a staple of our program, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my head on this, and this is what we're gonna be. I think that would be one of my first, maybe the biggest piece of advice I think I would give somebody. It's kind of like a science problem when when you have all, all these variables and and maybe nothing that's like constant. Maybe you just have to have some things that are <laughs> constant yeah. that you sort of stick with because then you can focus in on those and, and like you said kind of get really good at something kind of it's almost like piece piece by piece. And I, and I yeah. think and I think what you said though is I'm sure it is a concern that, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches have is, you know, feeling like, you know, the fire is, uh, you know, under the hot seat the second that they got the job and worried that they're not going to have that sort of, sort of time to, to, to do that. Um, do you, do you feel any sort of pressure from the, from outside forces? Do you feel anything from, from parents or, or otherwise about this pressure to stay at a consistent level or is that is that something you've just sort of been able to navigate or deal with maybe you put more pressure on yourself than anybody else you can talk a little bit about what what, what that pressure uh might, might look like 
you know, when I first, when I first started, like I said, I, I had assisted coach Hawkins for three years and he, he had had a lot of success and, and uh, you know, I had kind of been brought in here and groomed to be the next guy. And when that position came open, you know, there was, I had a lot of thought just because man, it's hard to follow somebody like that. Yeah. Um, and you feel like, yeah, early in my career, I felt like every night I had to prove myself to somebody. Um, now it's not so much. And, and what you said, I think now the pressure comes from myself. Um, and you, you hear all the time and, you know, I, I, I hate to lose way more than I like to win. Mm-hmm. And I tell people it's a curse a lot um, just because that's what we're doing. And, and you don't enjoy a win because as soon as that game's over, you're looking forward to the next one or you're or trying to get prepared for the next one. Um, there will always be pressure um, of some shape or form. I mean, but again, I believe, you know, I've heard people say pressure is a privilege. And, and if you're going to be at a job, if you're going to be successful, you want to be in those situations because if there's not any pressure, then, you know, you're not, you're not getting any better. Um, so I, I just really believe that pressure being a privilege is, is the way that, that I kind of look at that, uh, especially now later in my career early, it was hard. Um, Cause when you're trying to make a name for yourself and it doesn't go, go great all the time. Um, really, really, it can be really, really hard, but, again stay the course and and do the right thing and usually things will work out no i i I like that pressure being a privilege i haven't heard that quote but i like that one a lot actually i'm gonna i'm gonna put that up might go on a quote wall that i'll make one of these days i get so many good quotes that people tell me i really like that one a lot pressure (laughs) is a privilege i mean i mean if you think about it like you said like to have the you know privilege of, of being you know what you are the, the coach at fair there's only one of those that is doing your job right so there's only one person who get who gets to have that position that you do and there is pressure on it but there is kind of like you just said the privilege of being able to be that person who has that particular job uh is is pretty nice in and of itself as well so yeah yeah and i think you know i heard jay billis speak or he was talking on twitter the other day and it was just about you know, at no matter what level that you're coaching at, being successful is being successful. It doesn't matter if you're Coach K at Duke or no matter what level you're at, winning's winning. And, you know, how it, how it, how it feels to do that, how it feels to lose, uh, you know, it's really kind of all the same. I don't know if it would be any different if no matter where you are, I don't know if I would feel any different if I were coaching at Arkansas, you know, it, the next game is still the next game and you're going to do everything you can in your power Mm -hmm. to have your guys ready to play. And uh, to hear Jay Billis say that, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense because to us, it's as coaches, our next game's as important as coach K's next game. Yeah. And I just never had really thought of it like that. Well, you probably, whether consciously or subconsciously have kind of kept that, belief when you're in those district championship games or when you're in those playoff games because the venue does change right the stakes uh the pressure the intensity of those games does change but as you kind of mentioned the end of the day you still need to prepare as best you can for for that game and and at the end of the day they're the ref's going to throw up the ball and there's gonna be 10 players on the court and the the game is going to still be played kind of the same way as it's always been. So in a way you've kind of, I think feel like kind of internalized that with, with your preparation and the way you sort of go about preparing for each game. Yeah. And I think too, from a standpoint of players, I think when 
when they see something different, you know, if you've done it this way all year long and all of a sudden you get to the, the biggest game all year and you do something a little different, there's a comfort level that, that they are uncomfortable with that already when you get there and, and they're either assuming, okay, coach is doing this different because he don't think they're as good or coach is doing this different because he don't think what we've done is good enough. Uh, you've got to have those guys in a mindset to get where, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do to get ready to beat this next opponent. And like we talked earlier, it, I feel like the more constant it can be the whole way throughout the season, I, I think at the end, that's a big deal. Well, and, and as you know, and, and you can speak to this, your, your players, they, they, they look at you as kind of a source of uh, kind of like a rock almost, like uh, somebody who's like stable and somebody they, they can trust and rely on. So with that, when they, you know, might feel a little bit nervous or they might feel like the pressure of a game if they know like, oh, like, well, my warm-up routine's the same, you know, coach is just as, as he's always been and, and has like that same demeanor about him. There's probably a certain comfort level that kind of puts your guys at ease knowing that there's so many things that are still staying consistent, even if the venue or the stakes of the game change. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I think that's a big deal no matter what you're doing is, no matter, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. Uh, try to be the same guy. Uh, obviously, they know the stakes are higher. They don't need to be reminded that, <laughs> hey, you're playing in a, in a state quarterfinal or a state semifinal. I mean, they know that. Um, I'm not always good at that. Um, I feel like sometimes that, that I micromanage things. Um, I've tried to do better and, mm -hmm. and let guys be, be their own player a little bit more and and the crew I have right now, I've blessed with some good athletes and some good players. And this summer, that was one of my goals was to kind of step back, um, you know, especially on the offensive side of things. And, and, and let's not make it so so concrete. Let's just play and, and you guys relax and let's see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that tricky balance, I feel like, versus kind of like letting your, your, your players play and letting them be relaxed versus, you know, having structure and, and, and wanting to, to coach and have certain things that are, that are kind of put in place. I, I still deal with it too. I feel like there's this perfect balance and I don't know if I'll ever find it, but it's always something that tinkering with. I'm the oh, same yeah. way. <laughs> well, if uh, you figure it out, let me know. Yeah. Likewise. If you figure it out, let me know too. We'll all work <laughs> together on this. Hey, if you're listening yes. and you figure it out, let, let us know. Let please. us know. <laughs> uh, sure. You mentioned a couple of times how important uh, preparation has been and, and just kind of focusing in, preparing in for the for the next game so to speak on that what do you do in, in terms of your preparation how much film are you looking at what are you kind of looking at as you're kind of scouting do do your assistants do scouting what, what do you what goes into preparing for that next opponent whoever they may be you know with with huddle now and things like that it's a lot easier to oh, get Huddle's great <laughs> but yes to get five games on somebody or eight games, you know, used to, you'd have to get in the vehicle and drive and, and watch <laughs> them in person, which I still like to do that when I can. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as, you know, probably the normal, like everybody else does. I mean, you want a couple games before and you want them, you want to see what they're going to do against the defense that's, that's similar to yours. Um, you know, personnel wise, who can, who can't, um, you know, and that's one thing is this kind of keeps going back a little bit to that, to the matchup, but, you know, when you play a defense similar to that, you know, everybody's got 15 or 20 man sets that if you're playing man-to-man, -man, you've got to get your kids through all that. Um, 
you've got to be well-versed in what they're trying to do. And one thing with our matchup, I mean, zone offense has come a long way, but there's Mm -hmm. still only so many things people can do against it. And, you know, every day in practice, if we defend their top four or five actions out of what they're going to try to do to attack our zone, it is amazing the time that it does leave you for offense or or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Just the scout time seems to be a lot different when you're trying to prepare for somebody when you're playing man opposed to what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a really good point that, that you bring up and um, just kind of goes with, as we kind of talked about, you know, thinking about what you want to stay consistent at and what, what you kind of hang your hat on, as, as I've mentioned a couple of times and kind of, it's almost in, in a way kind of like viewing the film that you look at kind of through that lens in a way. That's kind of what it sounds like you do. Like, you know what you're consistent at, you know what you're hanging your hat on. And so as you like look at film, you kind of look at things through that lens and kind of see how it kind of fits and and how what you like to do kind of works within what they're doing and and it's a little chess game that goes on from there yeah and I think you know even though what we're doing defensively is a little bit different that's what I always tell people when they ask me about it is the goal of a good defensive team they're always the same whether you're playing man or zone your goals are going to be pretty much the same I mean you're going to try to you're trying to limit easy easy buckets. You're trying to make them take contested perimeter shots. Um, it's just about how you go about getting them to do that. So I don't know. It's just it's just really different. I think the way that we look at it, like I said, we don't use the word zone a lot mm-hmm. um, because we use we're just playing defense, man. We're just trying to keep make it hard on you. Yeah, uh, at, at, at the end of the day, right, we're, we're, we're playing defense. And like you said, there, there's so many misconceptions about when people hear the word zone. I think they, I think yeah. they, there's a belief that it's just like you're, you're just being lazy and just sort of sagging off and not doing anything. But yeah, I don't, I don't especially in a matchup zone, I, I know they can't be further for the truth. And as I've said this, and I've had other coaches say this, you can't even do any sort of a zone anyway, unless you have good man-to-man principles as it is. Yes, so, agreed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, don't fall in the trap and anyone listening about what a zone is. It doesn't, it, I've seen a lot of bad zones. I'm sure you have too. Yes. Seen, yes. <laughs> seen those. I've seen zones. a lot of bad man. Yeah. Well, I've seen it. Oh yeah. <laughs> seen, I've seen that for sure. That's funny. Um, in terms of, I guess like the, the word, I don't say like traps, but uh, traps might be the best word for it. For coaches who are, you know, maybe they're in the point where they are, you know, kind of being consistently successful, they're kind of seeing that success. What are some things that you think they might want to look for that might be just like seem like little insignificant things, but can end up like becoming like a much bigger issue if that coach doesn't like deal with it or or fix it or kind of plug that hole up right away? What are some potential cracks that might occur that coaches need to make sure they're ready to seal? Well, I just think it's – I think coaching is just like playing and it, from the aspect of – you know, I tell our guys a lot, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And I think as yeah. a coach, if, if you're not constantly trying to find something, you know, a different way maybe to do something, even if it's practice or another type of offense or uh, an inbounds play, uh, you know, I just don't think you can get complacent because the game changes so fast. Um you know, we have to do things now that we weren't doing five years ago defensively. Um, and that will be the same five years from now. Um, so I, I wouldn't, 
you know, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. I think that's another thing, just like with players, uh, you know, you get comfortable doing something. Uh, don't be afraid to, to look at something different. Uh, and I know that kind of goes against what I'm saying defensively. I'm not saying, you know, throw scrap everything and start over, but there may be a different way of how you want to cover a ball screen, or there may be a, you know, a different way you want to teach a closeout. I mean, I don't believe there's, I mean, there are concrete things in this game that have to stay the same to be successful, but there's a lot of different ways to get to that point. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it feels like in, as you're kind of like growing as a, as a coach and you're, and you're kind of evolving and you're kind of developing, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you have taken in or watched or read that you don't want to use or it, it doesn't really apply to what you're trying to do but it's still like good for you to have and it's still good for you to be aware about it if that makes sense like and just knowing what's going on yeah and I think you have to be careful I'm a guy I'm kind of a junkie so <laughs> I go through stuff and I'm liable to watch an offense and be like hey we can do that or we can do that and at the end of the day you've got a sheet worth of stuff and you can't get good at any of it because you've got too much of it I think you've got to You've got to kind of pick maybe two or three things offensively that, you know, here's what we want to focus on doing. Or, uh, like I said, I've been bad in the past about trying to do too many things good on offense. I've got to figure out a way to to make it, I think, simpler is better. Uh, and, and that's the route we're going to try to take with this team on offense. Uh, it's just I'm going to try to step back and not micromanage so much and 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 let these guys be players. Yeah, and, and I think that, you bring up a, a good point about, you know, for a coach who um, maybe at the part where they are being consistently successful, they might feel like they don't have to change a lot or like they don't like they, they have what they do and they're good at it. So this is what we're going to do. But as you mentioned before, like the, the game is it's always kind of changing. It's always evolving. And I think, you, I mean, you can probably um visualize the way that teams were attacking you defensively five years ago. And it's probably like, like you mentioned about, it's probably changed uh, now. And you're like, Oh, like the, what the people are doing against our matchup zone looks a little bit different than maybe what they did a few years ago. And by staying up to date with like things that are going on and in terms of the way basketball is played, it's probably helped you kind of be aware and be kind of ready for the different ways people are going to kind of try and attack you now in 2021 than maybe they did, you know, five, six years ago. Oh yeah. No question. Uh, you know, back then, I mean, a lot of people ran just base zone type offenses. And if, if you're going to stay in a in a zone offense and we can just sit on you where you're at, that that's when we got, you know, we really got good at it. Now, it seems like so many people are more motion based, based where there's not, it's more reads instead of uh, concrete. This is where he's going when he does this, or if he passes mm -hmm. here, he's going to do this. And so we've kind of had to, we've really had to work and kind of evolve our defense to be able to guard that type of stuff. Yeah. And it's just, just being aware that, you know, that that's going to happen. And, and like, like you've, like we've talked about a couple of times, it doesn't mean you have to completely blow up your whole defense because no. of something that you see, you just have to be like, okay, they're going to do that. Well, we just have to do this little adjustment and hopefully well, we're good and we'll see how it goes. Right. Yes. And uh, the other part here about, about preparation uh, before we kind of wrap up, I want to make sure that I address it is what do you do in terms of 
looking at your own film, like when you're looking at um, your own game film or, or looking at how, how players did, are, are there certain things that you've stayed consistent that you've always looked at or you think that are really important to look at or what's kind of your process for kind of looking through uh, a previous game film? You know, if we're looking at a previous game, you know, obviously I think one of the first things we look at is rebounding. I mean, where were we at in the rebounding game? Were we able to stay even? Were we plus, or, you know, where we were there? Because most of the time, if you win that battle, and in my experience, if you can win the battle on the on the glass, uh, we're generally in pretty good shape. Um, you know, opponent field goal percentage, uh, points for per possession, things like that, are things we look at offensively. Points per possession, uh, mm. that's a big deal. Uh, opponent field goal percentage, uh, and then when you look back just from a shot chart, what what shots were they getting? Were they contested? Uh, Basically, just the same stuff I think that everybody looks at. Um, but we really emphasize rebounding a ton. And uh, probably, you know, that may be one of the biggest things we emphasize, especially out of our, our defenses, because a lot of people's knock on playing that type of defense is rebounding. And that's really never been an issue. But it, I think it's because we emphasize it on a daily basis. And probably, and even to the point where your 6-1 and under team is, is still getting after it on the boards, right? Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's like this bunch we've got this summer. I mean, we do have a 6-3 and a 6-4, but we're, you know, we played all the last shootout we went to. Like I said, we're we're class three, and the, and the three teams we played were class six. Uh, we go two and one on that day, and, and where they're throwing 6-5 and 6-6s six out there, we're throwing 5-11s and six-footers. And just because of, <laughs> of what they know, what they're expected to do, they get it done. And, and that, that's, a, that's a, just a compliment to the kids, the type of kids we have. Yeah, that, uh, no, that's great. Uh, to wrap up, actually, before I ask this uh, concluding question, I wanted to ask you, because you have uh, the experience in this, for coaches listening who are going to be uh, fortunate enough in the next coming year or two to maybe get into the playoffs for the first time and see that sort of success, what advice would you give to a coach listening who's uh, maybe going to be making their first playoff run next year? You know, the, I think one of the biggest things is you don't, don't take that for granted. Uh, because, you know, winning a district, uh, getting into the playoffs, that's some of the hardest things that there are to do in, in our occupation. So don't, you know, don't hesitate a little bit to take, to step back and kind of take that all in uh, because the support from the community and things like that is, is, is awesome. And, and the kids need to, you know, relish that and really take it in. And then from a coaching standpoint, uh, you know, you don't, have to reinvent the wheel you 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 were good enough to get there uh, continue to do what you do uh, you know don't don't overcoach it like I said I've been guilty of that um, don't try to be something you're not do what you're good at be who you are uh, your kids will be more comfortable that way um, because you can't you know if you've got a five days to prepare or three days to prepare you kind of are what you are at that point so just you know, be confident in what you're doing and your kids will feed off that confidence and and uh, go out there and compete like crazy. I, I like that you brought up the point about about enjoying it. I, I think I, I fall into that trap sometimes when I've had teams who have done well and, and I don't know if I appreciated the, the moment or the time I had with them together, kind of looking back on it. I feel like I was so focused on whatever I had to do next. I didn't just take a step back. And so... Uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it is really easy to uh, get so invested that you kind of don't don't stop to take in the success that got you there in the first place. Yeah, and I think, you know, something we haven't talked about and 
you know, just the relationships you have mm. with your players, I think is something that goes, you know, everybody wants to talk X's and O's or everybody wants to talk this or that, or, you know, like we said, culture is a big deal right now, but the relationships that you develop with, with your players um, is a really, is a huge thing. And I think maybe goes unnoticed. And I think when you look at the great coaches, you know, yeah, they, they all know X's and O's and they, they all know the same stuff, but a lot of times the difference is how they handle those kids and, and how those kids think about them. Um, you know, I heard somebody say one time, it's, it's really hard to learn from somebody that you don't like. Um, yep. <laughs> not saying that we're in the business to, to make friends with our players, but they need to respect you and they need to know you care. And the more that they know that you care, the more that they're willing to do for you. And, mm. and I, and I know that's, I've not always been good at that. And that's something that I work on daily and, and uh, you know, for those guys to graduate and come back on Christmas break or Thanksgiving break and, and they want to come and play or they want to come watch us play uh, or they just want to call and check on you and see how things are going or how the team's going to be. I think that's, that goes unnoticed with the great coaches and the relationship they have with their players. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely, absolutely true. That's fantastic. And uh, the old saying goes, they won't uh, care to learn until they uh, know that you like learn that you care, something of that nature. I yeah, that no, you're right. Like that. You're right. <laughs> They won't care to learn until they learn that you care. I think that's how that's it right. Is, which, that's which exactly is absolutely right. true. Absolutely. If they don't, if they don't know you're in the trenches with them, when it gets when it gets rough and things get tough, they want to know that you're right there with them, and that's that's the, that means a ton. Hundred mm, percent. Awesome. Uh, this is great, Coach. To wrap up, there's a couple questions that I ask every guest. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with this first one. Thinking back on your co coaching career, I know there's so many moments to choose from, but what is a coaching moment from your career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? You know, something that I always think about is, you know, you're up three, the whole do I foul or do I not foul situation. I've lost a couple games uh, because I didn't foul and looking back, you know, if it's under six seconds, five seconds, I, I, that's something I think I would, I would look to foul going forward. Um, you know, we talk about hanging your head on something. I had a situation one time in a, in a state quarterfinal game that, you know, I kind of went away from what we did and there was a kid that came off the bench and uh, you know, we had scouted him and wasn't a great shooter. So we were going to do some things different defensively and, and left him alone. He makes two threes. So <laughs> that taught me right there. I would have been way better off to, to stay with what uh, what I knew and and what we had hung our hat on all year long. So there, that's just a couple instances there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all uh, those ones that stick with you, <laughs> the moments that'll stick with you for sure. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Uh, and the wrap up, coach, I give uh, every guest what I call a sixty second soapbox. You can go longer if you want. There's no stopwatch for you. Uh, your platform to get out kind of a final message, a closing thought, a closing idea, something that you would like to leave uh, the listeners with. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor, coach, and you can take it away. You know, I think probably just what we had, we've talked a lot about is just you know have something that you're really passionate about and that you believe in, whether it be you know if it's defensively. Um, really become well-versed in that. Um, people in your conference need to know what you're about. People in your district need to know what you're about. I mean, if they're going to come play you, they need to know it, that, man, we're in for a rough night because this is what we're going to see and they're going to be good at it. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, and obviously, for, as 
being confident as a coach, but also from your team as a stand from the standpoint of them being confident in what they're doing. Um, I just think it's hard to jump around from one thing to the next and then them feel really comfortable doing it. So kind of my piece of advice there would be find something uh, that fits what you want to teach and maybe your personnel and, and going forward, something that you feel like that you could teach each group um, and, and become good at it. Um, and even if it is the same thing every year, like for us defensively, but we've had to make some tweaks, but don't be afraid to, to hang your hat on something and, and be great at it. Cause it's, it's really hard to be, you know, even if you're mediocre at five things, I still think it's really a lot better to be great at one. True. That's really well said. That's a really good point to, to leave it off on for sure. I, I really like that a lot. Uh, Coach Pitts, I want to thank you for spending some time talking about uh, Thayer, both the, the city, both the town, both the, the school, the culture and everything, and uh, just all the things that have led to uh, your program being consistently successful all the way from when you were playing all the way through uh, coaching right now. So I wish you all the best and continued success as we hopefully move into a more normal year next year. And uh, Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. And thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.